Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Hello, welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest event industry news, ideas, and trends. In this episode, we'll be discussing all things customer experience and why you should be focusing on creating experiences for your customers. Today, I'm joined by Dan Inges, international keynote speaker, customer service expert, and author of The Experience Maker. Dan is an international customer experience coach who believes that remarkable customer experience is the best marketing strategy. His 20-year professional career spanned multiple disciplines, including customer experience, marketing, social media, and customer service. Dan is the author of The Experience Maker, How to Create Remarkable Experiences That Your Customer Can't Wait to Share. He's also co-host of The Experience This Show podcast. So many accomplishments, Dan. I mean, that was a such a mouthful, but this is really incredible. And I know in preparation of you coming onto our podcast today, you know, my system prepared so many videos for me to watch. And I have to say, I'm extremely excited because we are also huge on customer experience. So let's dive in. And if you could just first start off, share a little bit about how you started this journey. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me on the show. Really excited to talk with you today. Obviously, I love the events industry because I make my living in the events industry as well. So very excited to talk about this. And I should start by saying that every time we say customer experience, you can also think of it as attendee experience or client experience or even speaker experience or vendor experience. They're all kind of under the same roof. And, and a lot of the times, uh, you know, we can take those words and uh, and refresh them to whatever industry you're in and whatever you call the people that you're trying to create an experience for. But I actually, as you mentioned, got my start in marketing. And uh, I, I started at a company called the Danbury Mint right after college, where I got to uh, put together sales and marketing plans for high-end collectibles, plates, dolls, figurines, sports collectibles, that sort of thing. And I really loved it. It was, it was a fascinating business to me. Um, and I continued my career in marketing through Discover Card for almost 10 years, um, Humana and Healthcare, McDonald's. And I eventually kind of emerged as having this love affair with customer experience. And it really started with the last job that I had at Discover, the last three years that I was there. Uh, they put me in charge of digital customer experience and social media. And I remember getting recruited by the chief digital officer and he took me out to lunch and I said, man, I really appreciate you, your interest in me for this role, but I have to ask why are you interested in me for this role? Because I'm just like a marketer. I, I haven't done this stuff before. And he said something to me that absolutely changed the path of my career. He said, I've watched you in business meetings and you are always wearing the customer hat. You are always looking at business problems through the lens of the customer. And we need to start doing that in the digital space. And literally that was it. I took over the, uh, as head of digital customer experience and I couldn't believe how much impact I could have with customers making 
simple, inexpensive changes to our website and our mobile app and just how customers engaged with us. And I was like, man, this is so much more powerful than yet another email campaign or yet another social media campaign. And so I was off and running and that sort of uh, kind of created my addiction that's still going all these years later. Uh, and I started a, a side hustle uh, doing blogging and podcasting, a little bit of speaking. And in 2019, I went off on my own and uh, created the Experience Maker LLC and decided to be a full-time professional speaker. And I wake up every day thankful that I get to do what I love and uh, am just really excited to uh, talk with more people, inspire more people, and hopefully bring more people aboard the uh, customer experience train. You're definitely doing that already. Because I have to say, Dan, the reason your name got, you know, when I told a team, your name actually came up in one of our agency team meetings from our marketing um, director. And he was like, have you heard of Dan before? And I was like, no, I haven't, you know, but he's such a huge fan. And he was like, we should invite him to be a speaker for some of our clients' conferences. He would be fantastic. And I know that's how you and I got kind of got in touch. And then from there, he was just, you know, it kind of just spiraled into other opportunities. But you're totally inspired doing the inspiration thing already. So, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, it's always fun to figure out, you know, how people find out about you, right? Because you spend all this time creating content. And I, you know, I try to do it in different channels, because uh, some people like podcasts, other people don't. If you do, please check out Experience This. I think you'll love it. Um, some people like video, other people don't. Some people like blogs. Uh, and, and interestingly, I found that my audience also changes a little bit and has maybe patterns that I wouldn't have predicted. Um, I still find that the vast majority of my audience prefers written communication in terms of the online content that I create. And so my blogs are more popular than almost anything else I do online. But as a marketer, that's what you do. You, you pay attention to what resonates with your audience and you do more of that. And the stuff that doesn't, you move on from. A hundred percent. Do more of what's working. Absolutely. Then, yeah. In terms of trends, I'm sure because you're so immersed in the marketing world, what are some trends that you're seeing currently with the sales and marketing industry? Well, I think that the biggest trend is uh, that sales and marketing have finally begun to figure out that there's a human at the other end. And this is a really important concept because whether you are a B2C company or a B2B company, or you're putting on events for doctors or lawyers or customer experience professionals, at the end of the day, there is a human at the other end. And when we realize that, we understand better how to communicate. You know, I always, uh, when I talk about customer experience from stage, I often get a question that says, well, you know, this is great, but I'm, I work for a B2B, to, you know, does customer experience matter? And I always, I've learned to do this with a totally straight face, which will be hard for me right now because I'm smiling, but I'll say, well, that depends. Do you market to human beings? And then I just sit there and then they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, of course, customer experience matters. You're not marketing to a building. You're not marketing to a logo or a corporation. There's a person that's buying your service. That's who you need to be talking to. And I think uh, a second piece of that that I'm seeing in terms of a trend is more and more companies uh, trying to be more inclusive in their marketing and understanding that no matter what business we are in, 
And no matter where we stand on any political issue, it doesn't matter. Our customer base is diverse in almost every way you can define diversity. They are they're different uh, races, they're different genders, they're different sexual orientations, they sit on different sides of the political aisle, they're pro-choice, they're pro-life, they're pro-gun, they're anti-gun. That's what our audience or our customer base looks like. And so no matter what we look like or, or our feelings on particular issues, we have to understand what our audience you know, what, what our audience wants. And the reality is, because the audience is so diverse, what that means is we may have to say different things to different people. And our marketing may not be able to be just, you know, completely broad based for everybody. We may have to do, I mean, marketers for decades, for hundreds of years have talked about segmenting and, uh, you know, and, and identifying different, um, different groups. But now I think what we're starting to see is, that when we're trying to be inclusive with our marketing, we have to figure out how each one of those groups responds differently, communicates differently, and frankly, might use our products or services differently as well. Definitely. And some things in different language actually don't translate directly. <clears throat> I think I mentioned like English is actually my second language, right? So I also speak fluent Chinese. And there are certain words, it's like, how do I you know, translate that into English or vice versa, right? Because it's a little bit different. But that's sure. 100%. Like, we're definitely seeing a lot more inclusivity and diversity in terms of marketing. So that's such a great trend that you pointed out. And in terms of how about when it comes to marketing and customer experience, how are those two related? Yeah, so I love this question because I always like to say I live at the intersection of customer experience and marketing, which of course suggests that they're uh, if we're talking about a street corner that you know they're not parallel, they're perpendicular, but they are going to meet. And I think it's a couple of things. The first is that marketers and salespeople have to understand that they are often the beginning of the experience. They are the pre-customer experience, if you will. If you think about how you become aware of any brand or any event, generally it's through some marketing or through some advertising, right? And so you see this and now you've already started to form an opinion about the event or the product or the service. That's marketing. So we have to understand that part of marketing's role is to begin that experience in a way that makes people want more. I think the other part is that marketing has really become the promisers of the experience. If you think about what we see, especially let's take TV commercials, right? Most TV commercials are about how it's going to feel when you use our product or service. You know, ah, that soda or that beer is going to taste refreshing or, oh, our hotel is going to be beautiful and comfortable. It, whatever it is, it is setting people up to say, this is the experience you're going to have when you do business with us. So I think marketing has become really the promisers of that experience. And that means that they've got to make sure they're promising what the rest of the company can deliver. And that's, and hence, we've got that intersection of experience and marketing. And you're right, because marketing is at the beginning, right? I think whenever we have our company meeting with the department heads, we're always saying, this is a whole ecosystem. Marketing, like you said, is the beginning, and then it goes to sales. And then once the client sign with us, that's only the starting point. You know, I tell my team, like, it's not, okay, we're done, right? This is now really the time to really step up and prove ourselves and provide that wow customer experience. And it goes in a whole circle. 
Right? And I love that you said that. Yeah. yeah, I love that you said that because you guys are a B2B organization and, and B2Bs often forget this, that it doesn't end at the signature on the contract. That's actually the beginning. <laughs> and what I find so funny, and I've, I've worked for and with B2Bs in the past, um, what I find so funny is that most organizations, when they sign a new client, two things happen. First of all, they all celebrate internally they ring a bell or there's a Slack channel or they go out for drinks and woohoo, we signed so-and-so, right? But they don't invite the new client to the celebration. So the new client, if you're thinking from a customer experience lens, the new client just signed a big contract. They're gonna spend a lot of money. They're nervous. They are hoping, fingers crossed, that they just made a good decision, that this isn't gonna get them fired, <laughs> You know that this is gonna be good for their career. And meanwhile, the company on the other end is sitting there high-fiving and cheering and, and having cocktails and not actually including this, this person that just signed the deal. And so I always recommend the first thing that you should do, whether it's in physical, in person, or virtually, is put your arm around the new client and say, you just made the best decision of your career. We are going to take such great care of you. This is going to be easy. This is going to be fun. We're going to have six, joint success and you know, relax. And just that will completely change how that brand new customer now feels. Now they can go home to their significant other and say, I just signed a new deal today that's going to rock my world. You know, they can go home with confidence instead of going home being nervous. Now, the second thing that often happens is that the salesperson who just signed this deal immediately sends the brand new client to a different team to somebody that's called account management or that's called customer success or some other team that is not sales. That's like if you were walking down the aisle about to get married and you get to the end of the aisle and the person on the other hand says, well, hello, actually, you're not gonna marry me. You're gonna marry Steve. Let me introduce you to Steve over here. You'd be like, wait, what? But that's what we do in the sales cycle is we say goodbye to the person the second they sign. So I always recommend that whoever was in charge of getting the customer to sign, the, the salesperson, that they stay on at least through an onboarding process of 30, 60, 90 days, and that they do this simple thing of telling the customer that if anything goes wrong, if anything is not what you expected, if anything's not what I promised you, here's my cell phone number, call me anytime. What you'll find is they'll almost never call, but they will feel so much better knowing that they can. Those you see how I get amped up about this, Amanda? Yes. No, as you're saying, I'm like, okay, stay in my seat, stay in my seat. I love it. I love. I absolutely love it because it's true. Like, you know, you get excited, sign on the dotted line. But when you put it into that comparison of walking down the aisle and your future husband is a different one, that really puts it into perspective, right? Yeah. That handover of onboarding is really important. So it's not just, okay, I got the contract, I'm gone. Right, giving that them that affirmation that you're there no matter what, and just that peace of mind. Why do you say that customer experience could be the best marketing strategy? I hear you kind of talk about this a lot. So why is that? Yeah, so I say that for two reasons. First, I want people to sort of raise their eyebrows because, again, I'm a 20-year marketer. So this is a marketing guy saying, no, actually, customer experience is the best marketing. But the reason why I believe it is that marketers forever have been seeking the holy grail. What's the holy grail? Word of mouth. Getting other people to talk about us so we don't have to. 
you and I were talking uh, before we started recording that, you know, where do I get most of my speaking gigs from people that have seen me speak? Because they see me, they like me, they go back to their company and they recommend me. That's word of mouth. That is so much more powerful than me making a cold call to the very same company saying, I think you should have me come speak. When somebody says something nice about my book, it's a whole lot better than me saying something nice about my book, right? It's a whole lot more believable. That's why we read ratings and reviews on almost every product that we buy. So when we create great experiences for customers, guess what? They start talking about us. And a lot of the research that I like to cite in, in speeches and in my book has to do with this fact that consumers actually want to share positive experiences more than negative ones. That is their desire. We only share positive and negative, right? We don't share an average experience. So you can, so the only kinds of experiences we share are going to be on one or one side of the spectrum or the other. But people want to share positive experiences. The problem is when you ask an audience or when, when, when you look at this research that I like to share, two thirds of consumers say that they can't remember the last time any company exceeded their expectations. So they want to share positive experiences, but they don't have anything to share. So when we're the organization that creates that positive experience, guess what? People are so excited to have a great experience. They want to tell everybody. They want to tell their family, their friends, their colleagues. They want to share it on social media. Guess what XYZ company just did? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Because we want to share those kind of happy, exciting, successful moments in our lives. It's a pretty natural thing to do. So I like to I like to liken it to think about the last time you were anywhere. You could have been at a restaurant, at a hotel, at an event, a concert, whatever. And that moment where you weren't even thinking about it, you reached into your pocket or your purse and you pulled out your camera, your phone, because you had to capture that moment. That's the moment that I like to teach companies how to create. Because when we can do that, we don't have to ask someone to follow us on Instagram and use our hashtag and make sure to tag us. They're just doing it. They're just doing it because we've created the kind of experience that creates that automatic response of, I got to get out my camera and, and, and record this. I love that message because really, ultimately, you're focusing on existing customer and, and then creating raving fans at the end of the day, right? And really, for that, it will continue to amplify because they're just so you really exceeded their expectations. So that is very natural to refer. And you're right. The last time I went to a really great restaurant, I told many other people like, hey, you know, Danica, check this out. And then other friends who is looking for other great restaurants because we're all, there's a lot of foodies in my group. So we'll pass it around. And my friends do the same thing, right? If they have like a really good, someone, an experience that they rave about, they'll also share too when we get together. And that's like and I'm, I'm pretty sure that when your friends tell you they just went to an amazing restaurant, that's all you need to hear. You're you're making a reservation, right? And so that's word of that's a power of word of mouth marketing. So the question is, how can companies create that on a more regular basis? And you're absolutely right. It's about focusing on your existing customers, the ones that are paying your salary, that are keeping the lights on, that are the whole reason for your business. And so often, instead of focusing on them, we just focus on getting more new customers uh, instead of looking at the ones that are already paying us. So you kind of share some recommendation at the beginning about, you know, and the ones you sign with it. How about when you're in and working with the client already, what are some recommendations in terms of building that customer experience? Yeah, so... Really, if you if you kind of go back to what 
my boss said about me, that I looked at every business problem through the customer lens. That is where I would start. Because ultimately, I'm a believer that every business problem can be solved without making the customer miserable. Like we can do both, right? Oh, we need to make more, we need to earn more revenue. Okay, we're not gonna do it by just creating some random fee that's gonna annoy our customers. That's not how we're gonna create more revenue. We create more revenue in lots of ways, but when we put it through the filter of the customer, that's not going to be one of them, right? If we're trying to, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in financial services and healthcare, right? And there's so much legal disclaimers and disclosure. And so it creates this, instinct, well, we could just put it in the fine print and nobody will notice. No, we can't do that because that's not right for our customers. We're not trying to trick them. We're not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. We want them to understand what they're signing up for because they're our customers. Like they're depending on us. They're trusting us and we've got to be able to give that back to them. So that's what I always start with in terms of suggesting. The other thing, um, it, just a little bit of a tip is I always recommend that you become a customer of your own company, whatever that looks like. Sign up for your own mailing list, uh, log into your own website, forget your password and go through that process because that's always a lot of fun, right? Be, do the things that customers do, but do them yourself because you're a customer too. And you know what you like, you know what annoys you. And if you start going through your own website and you're annoyed by all the pop-up ads, it's a pretty good, you can make a pretty good bet that your customers are all are annoyed by all the pop-up ads too. So get rid of them, which is exactly what we did at Discover. And I remember having to push back because the argument was, well, but those pop-up ads produce great results. And I said, yeah, but the problem is they produce great results with 6% of the customers. 94% are irritated. And so the, let's go find those results somewhere else where we don't have to irritate 94% of our customers. That's another great tip. Hopefully you guys are making, making all the mental notes or writing them down. And then can you tell us a little bit more about your book, The Experience Maker? Sure. So I have collected tons and tons of real life stories over the years. It's, it's how I present on stage. I, I consider myself a storyteller and I'm a believer that you don't have to listen to me because I'm some sort of expert or I have experience. Listen to me because I'm going to tell you stories about companies that are really doing this every day and having success at. And at some point, I collected so many stories that I figured it was time to put them all into a book because in a keynote, you can only get so many stories in because it's usually 45 minutes and, and you, know, you can only fit so many um, case studies and stories in. And I really wanted to kind of unload my entire library. Uh, and so I created a um, mechanism to understand how to create the kinds of experiences that people want to talk about. And I refer to this as WISER. It's my own methodology. And the WISER, the WISER stands for witty, immersive, shareable, extraordinary, and responsive. And each one of these five things I go through in the book, and I share tons and tons of real life examples of companies that are using that particular aspect um, and how it creates this word of mouth marketing. And then I get into, uh, in the back end of the book, I really get into the implementation part because again, I spent a lot of time in corporate America. I know it's difficult to get things done. And so I really wanted to give advice that, that caused people to say, you know what, I can do this. I don't need a ton of approvals. I don't need a ton of budget. 
this is easy. I can make this happen. And, uh, and that's really my goal is that whether I'm getting off stage or people are finishing my book or reading a blog or whatever, listening to podcasts, I want people to believe that no matter where they are in the organization, they can do this. They can create a better experience for the customer. And just one last thing on that, I am a believer that it is every employee's job. No matter what your title is, you're involved in customer experience. You might be sitting in the accounting department thinking, well, I don't even talk to customers, except you make decisions every day about payment terms and, and what kinds of payments are expected and, uh, or excuse me, what kinds of payments are accepted and uh, you know the pricing of different products and services. These all have a huge impact on customer experience. So you may never actually talk to a customer, but that doesn't mean you're not in the customer experience business. So I really believe that, and uh, and I try to make that point in the book as well, so that it is it's one of these things that anybody can read and really take value from in terms of how they look at their job. And you could get Dan's book on Amazon, so <laughs> super accessible. I think those are. Those are really great tips, Dan. And I love what you share about your book because I, I think a lot of your tips are very digestible and easy to implement, right? I think as marketers, there's so many, already so many layers in terms of marketing of what needs to be done. So the easier we can make it for the other and the better. And you're right, at the end of the day, we are marketing to humans at the end. It's not another business. Right. So well, Amanda, you're, you're spot on because simplicity is one of the core tenets of customer experience. Consumers want a simple experience. They just don't, nobody likes complexity. In fact, I was talking with somebody recently that one of the best compliments people give me about my book is they refer to it as a simple read. Now, why do they do that? For two reasons. One, I don't, I did not write the book sitting next to a thesaurus. I did not try to you know, put a whole bunch of complicated big words in to make myself sound smart. I write like I talk. And I was never very good at the SAT vocabulary words part. So you're not going to get a lot of language from me that you don't understand. The second thing is I want people to see how simple it is to execute on these things. And so actually all of the examples that I share, I put through three filters. They have to be simple. They have to be practical and they have to be inexpensive. If they're not those three things, then I'm not putting them in the book or on, on my speech. Um, I like to say, so the, the E is in Wiser, as I mentioned, is extraordinary. And I, I like to joke that if you really want to create an extraordinary experience and money is no object, then just hire Beyonce for a private concert, maybe a little private fireworks show afterwards would be lovely for your clients. And they're going to tell you that it's extraordinary, but you probably don't have $20 million sitting around to make that happen. So I like to talk about how can we create an extraordinary experience where we don't have to spend that kind of money. Awesome. And I love what you said about your speaking engagement that is really about story storytelling, right? Because a lot of time we hire speakers and it's like, we always want to make sure they're dynamic. They'll keep and then make the room excited, right? So that's also one of my questions for you. Like, you know, especially so many listeners here are marketers and event planners. How, what are you doing in your speaking engagement to make sure that to translate that customer experience and experience building in your engagement projects? So I look at my job as not just teaching the, the audience how to create remarkable experiences, but I look at my job as 
to create a remarkable experience for the audience. I want them to see for themselves what it is I'm suggesting they do for their customers. And so I like to try to bring different elements onto stage so that people after my presentation, like I love it when somebody says that they thought my presentation was the best one of the event or the best one that they've ever seen, because that means I have hit something with them where I've been memorable. And what are they going to do when I'm memorable? They're going to talk to people about me, which is exactly what I'm teaching them how to do in their own business. So I look at it as kind of my job that like, I can't just tell you to, to do what I say and not what I do. I've got to practice what I preach. So I will bring different elements into a speech. There is a part in my speech where I will break out into song because nobody expects that from a business speaker, right? But People are surprised. And guess what? Everyone's paying attention. No one's looking down at their phone when I break out into song, right? And so I know that that works. There's a piece where I'll walk out into the audience and I'll do a little sort of one-on-one -on -one with someone in the audience. And I will always alert, just spoiler alert, I will always go find another bald guy because then I can make a bald joke and I can make the audience laugh and everybody relaxes. And, and again, it makes me more memorable, but it's all intentional because I really, I, I do believe this stuff. And I know that this is, I know it works. So if I can do it while I'm teaching it, I feel like the impact is even better. I love that. Can't wait to, you know, hire you for some of our clients. Just make sure there's a ball guy in the audience. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have to kind of strategically work that in and make sure he's in the front, right? <laughs> well, and that's, it's so funny you say that because if I, um, I'll often try to find the person ahead of time and just, you know, I don't tell them, but I, I just want to mentally know where I'm going. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll stand in the back of the room before the speech and I'll go to the people, you know, everybody, the first person that walks in the room always takes a seat in the back, right? And so I'll say, hey, how you doing? My name's Dan. I'm a speaker today. I just want to let you know, I usually call on people in the back row. And they stand up and walk forward. <laughs> I'm like, great, because I don't want you to sit in the back row. I want you coming forward. But that's all I have to say. And and almost always they're like immediately picking up all their stuff. And they're like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> so it already sounds like a very immersive experience. So yeah. And, I, and look, I like to have fun. Um, I would say that people who know me really well would, would, you know, among other adjectives, refer to me as a little bit silly, a little bit goofy. And, and that I, I like, that. I mean, I like to have fun. I like to make people laugh. I like to laugh myself. And so when we're at a conference, oftentimes, you know, the events and the, and the, the content, of course, it's serious, right? We're there to learn. I mean, I understand that, but there's nothing wrong with having fun while we learn. That's okay. And in fact, when we have fun, we guess what? We retain the knowledge more because it's more memorable. And so that's really kind of how I look at things. And I don't overdo it. I'm not a juggler. I don't play an instrument. I'm not like, you know, there are lots of speakers who are sort of, um, and they're wonderful. They have other talents and sort of speaking is kind of like added on, right? No, I'm a speaker. That's what I do first and foremost. But I do try to add elements in where we're just having a little bit more fun, where I'm hopefully making the audience laugh because I want them to let their shoulders down a little bit, relax a little bit um, and, and learn and, and take something away, but also feel like they had fun and that they had an experience. Yeah. And we do see that when the audience is having fun, they're actually more engaged. 
And then a lot of time in the survey, it will also reflect that. Yeah. Because right? yeah. especially when you go to a lot of event, long conferences, multiple day conferences, it's like, I don't remember who I saw yesterday. You know, but instead yeah. it could be like, oh my God, Dan, Dan was fantastic yesterday. Right. And then you become like that speaker that everybody talks about. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it, it again, it's the, the speaking business in that way is not dissimilar from any other business. Right. And, and so I need word of mouth marketing to grow my business as well. And, uh, and so it's about where do you find those opportunities? If you're not a speaker, you're going to find them in different places than I'm going to find them, but that's okay. It's the idea is that you're always on the lookout that you're always focused on what is your existing customer experiencing and how can we A, make it better and B, remove the parts that annoy them. Um, it is amazing what it will do to simply remove pain points, things that are frustrating, things that cause the customer to have to spend more time or more effort than they want to. Just getting rid of that stuff, if that's all you do, will completely change how they experience your brand. Then if you can take it a step further by creating these memorable moments in these sort of, I hate to use the word surprise and delight because it's a very overused phrase in marketing, but I'll use it and say surprise and delight, things that are unexpected, experiences that that are, are sort of out of the ordinary or things that you just, that, you know, that make you stop for a second. Um, those are the things that are the most memorable. I remember I uh, when I worked at Humana, I used to uh, fly to Louisville, which is where they're based, twice a month. And I stayed at the same hotel. And all of a sudden, one time when I was there, instead of having like a little mint on the pillow, they had a small bottle of bourbon, like a mini like airplane bottle of bourbon, because Kentucky's the bourbon capital of the world. And it was just this little thing, but it was such a neat surprise that it made me like the hotel more, right? And it's like, this wasn't very expensive for them. It was just, hey, every hotel in the world puts a mint on your pillow. Not anymore, they used to. But, you know, so why do what every other hotel does? Why don't we do something different? Because that's how we're going to stand out. There's a great story that I uh, tell in the book about a restaurant I took my son to uh, for his, I think it was his 15th birthday. And um, at the end of the meal, instead of coming out with a slice of cake and a candle for him, which is a very nice gesture. It's just that almost every restaurant does it. They come out with this spectacular box of chocolates that they made homemade in their kitchen. And it's sitting on a plate and they've spelled out happy birthday in cocoa powder. And instead of a candle, they have a sparkler because everyone knows that a sparkler is cooler than a candle. And this is one of those examples where four people around the table, no one has to ask us. We all pull out our phones because we want to take a picture of this amazing dessert. And I can tell you, even with the iPhone, like I captured the individual sparks coming off of this sparkler. It is like Instagram ready, right? And I like to joke that the adults share it to Facebook because that's what the adults do. And the kids share it to Snapchat because that's what the kids do. But regardless, that restaurant got four word of mouth posts, positive word of mouth posts, just because they said, we're not going to do birthdays like everyone else does birthdays. It's not that everyone else is doing them wrong. It's just that a slice of cake and a candle isn't as exciting to take a picture of as what I just described. And the best part is, is as far as I can tell, it doesn't cost them any more money. It's not more operationally complex. It's just different and therefore better. 
Yeah, I, I love the different. And I bet some of you were probably thinking, I want to come here for my birthday. Exactly. Well, I also use it as a metaphor. And I say, look, look in your business for where you have a candle and you can turn it into a sparkler. It's not, that's not a huge move. It's not taking a candle and turning it into a Cadillac. It's just a candle into a sparkler. It's a little bit better, but it's that difference between ordinary and extraordinary. I love that. And as we wrap up, which I'm so sad because this has been so phenomenal. Any additional advice you want to share with the audience today? Well, I guess I would say, I mean, I've already given you the tip of become a customer of your own business. I think that's so important and think through um, business problems through the customer lens. I think the last piece is to understand that every part of the experience adds up to the overall impression of your brand from a customer's perspective. And the, the problem is that as companies get bigger, there's nobody in charge of every part of the experience. There's someone that's in charge of the web experience and someone that's in charge of the mobile experience and someone that's in charge of the in-store experience and someone that's in charge of the customer service contact center experience. And these are all different experiences, but they all matter. And so when we think about it that way, we think about, we should be thinking about every time we communicate with a customer, whether it's digitally or on paper or in person or on the phone, Every time we communicate, it's an opportunity to create an experience. So look through, if you, once you kind of think from that perspective, there is so much opportunity and it doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be expensive. It's just that you got to look at your business to find where the creativity can happen. And I'll say at events, you know, obviously I've been to a lot of different events, and some events do this really, really well. They have different immersive activities, uh, you know, at the at the uh, coffee break or whatever it is that you don't see in other events. And I would encourage event planners to think differently about that. Think about the snacks that you bring in. You know, when I uh, go to events in Chicago, I love it when they bring in Garrett's popcorn because that is such a quintessential Chicago treat, right? Yeah, you could bring in the same granola bars that every other conference has, but why would you do that? Why not take advantage of the city that you're in and try to do something that's a little bit more immersive? So everywhere is an opportunity. Um, you know, the things that you don't think, where you don't think there possibly could be an experience, like the restrooms. Restrooms are a fantastic place to create an experience because no one expects an experience in the restroom. But when you walk into a restroom and they've got, you know, mouthwash there or mints or, you know, whatever, some toiletry items. You're like, wow, this is great. How do they know I, I needed mouthwash right now? Well, I don't know. You just finished a coffee break and you probably, your mouth tastes like coffee. I mean, it's understanding what customers want and when, and then being there for them. And, it, and all this stuff really adds up. Yeah. I, I love the Garrett's popcorn idea. Cause we did, I remember doing that a lot of time afternoon breaks is like cookies, dessert, right? And then like fruit for the healthy people, which I, I'm not one of those. <laughs> but then what, what we did was we changed it up. So we did popsicles and then we did like haagen ice cream and literally people were going crazy. And then we had them come out, you know, also display matters, right? Presentation. So then like how you present it, but it was like changing and so many people on the review said, we love the popsicles. Like we love the ice cream bars. And 
you know, we're like, how about the speakers? No, but that's really good, right? And because it was different, you got to change it up. And then yeah. so funny, you also mentioned about the bathroom because one event we actually transformed, it was at the Beverly Hilton, which has a gorgeous bathroom. It has a 360 view mirror because that's for like celebrity where they host a lot of the celebrity events. And we completely transformed that into a beauty bar. So then it was really funny because our team was executing that day. And then I was, I, I was actually a member of that organization that we helped do the event for. And I sat down at my table and this random lady I'd never met before, like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Like, have you been to the restroom? And I'm like, oh, I just <laughs> met you. <laughs> but she was like, you need to go. It's so cool in there. And I'm just like, so proud, you know, and so happy. And nobody, because, nobody yeah. paid her to say that. Nobody, nobody asked her to say that. that. Yeah. It just was natural. That, that no, that's how you know you hit a home run. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my God. This is so fun. I could talk to you all day, Dan. I know well, how to get do it in again sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the best way for the audience to connect with you? Sure. So uh, my website is dangingis.com. It's D-A-N-G-I-N-G-I-S-S. Everything sort of builds from that. My email is dan at dangingis.com. You will get me. You're not going to get an assistant or an automated bot or anything. You will actually get me. Uh, and I'm very active on both LinkedIn and Twitter, especially. Uh, so please connect. And uh, since I talk about being responsive, it's the R in wiser, you can expect that I will be uh, crazy fast responsive to you as well. So feel free to reach out anytime. Ah, oh, that's great. This has been absolutely spectacular. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have any questions or you want to connect with Dan, please make sure to reach out to him. He's so personable. I already, I mean, he definitely provides that customer experience. So I, I'm going to remember this one. A very, very special podcast indeed. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Amanda. I really appreciate it. We're super excited to announce that we'll be sending a copy of Dan's book, The Experience Maker, to the first five listeners who share this episode and email us. All you have to do is, one, share this event episode on your social media. Two, email us at info at innovamkg.com with a photo of your social media post. Simple as that. We'll be in touch if you are a winner. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.